I'm so- See, you remember how I said I'm sorry I wasn't listening? I was thinking about Sonic. <laughs> this is what I wasn't listening to, and you didn't repeat it for me because I forgot. To- you know, we went, we started laughing about that, and then we didn't repeat. <laughs> Podcast, a world where humans and podcasters live together and become the greatest of friends. I see you're ten years old. It's time for you to start your own adventure. First, you'll have to choose a host. You could select the Big Eater host, Fox Lee. In its desperation to gulp down food, it forgets about the food it already has hidden under its fur. You might also select the Patient host, Talon Lee. To keep its pitch black tail hidden, it lives quietly in the darkness. It's never the first to attack. Stay a while and listen. <laughs> or your third choice, Jer Branch, the egg host. It lays several eggs a day and won't share them with those who have evil in their heart. Let me show you my heraldic moves. <laughs> <laughs> Talon, I choose you. <laughs> what you been playing? Ten years ago, you did. <laughs> oh. Oh. It's cuter if I get the year right 11 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's funnier if you get it yeah. wrong, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's standard. I cannot undo this stain. Uh, yeah, so I've been playing... Wow, Christ, I've been playing a lot of stuff this week. Um, we're going we're to talk about this a little bit later when we get around to Jeb's turn, because he and I both played a game together. But, uh, aside from the swindle, which... Uh, the swindle is becoming comfort food for me, in that I'm sort of, well, I don't know what I want to do with myself right now. I'm a little stressed, I'm a little anxious. I'll go steal from poor people, because apparently that's... Imaginary, imaginary poor people. Imaginary poor people. Col- colonialism runs in your blood. You know, after all these games that are like, oh, and non-judgmental games it's like the game which explicitly opens with you robbing the slums <laughs> is somehow the least judgmental thing i've oh played God, lately i married an englishman <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also have been playing Life is Strange, which mm-hmm. I haven't gotten very far in it. Uh, Life is Strange is really charming. Like the first impression I have so far, typically speaking, if you put forward to me this, you know, we're going to give you a story, a point and click adventure game that's about teens. There is a part of me that wants to throw that out the window <laughs> straight away. It is quite literally about teens. And it's, it's very authentic so far and it, it's very authentically teen not in that this is how teens really are but in that it carries with it a desire to be taken seriously and to be respected for what you think and do that I remember from my own time being a teenager. So I don't know if actual teens are anything like this at all these days. <laughs> they have superpowers. Oh sweet! I, You know, this is a standard thing. Cranny. It's in all the movies now. I missed out on a lot. What about you Jeb? What have you been playing recently? Well, uh, I too have been dealt into my comfort food by playing uh, Spooky Bonus, the spookiest of bonuses. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm like 30 levels of the timed mode away from getting the last achievement, so almost done with that, which is good because the holiday bonus should be coming out in time. Uh, hey! Uh, soon, at which point I will probably play all of that. Does it contain reindeer? It had better, or else I'm probably going to yell at Jake. Damn straight! I've also been continuing to monitor Magic Duels uh, to see if they have, as of yet, updated it for Battle for Zendikar, which they haven't. <laughs> they haven't updated it for anything. They haven't updated it for anything. There's Most of the people who play it on iOS can't. Such a mess. 
<laughs> it's such a mess. It was supposed to get updated for, for Battle for Zendikar, I think September 28th, and then they were fairly certain it would be, like, uh, October 28th, and then maybe November 4th. Okay, maybe the 11th. Is this, uh, is this just based on the principle that you just don't... You don't want your first update to anything to be Battle for Zendikar. <laughs> That's what I think, is that they're just going to wait for, uh, they're going to wait for Shadows over Innistrad, which is a, probably a good plan. Yeah. Sh- <laughs> Shadows over Innistrad is, like, it's it. I, I don't want to sound ungrateful for Battle for Zendikar, because ultimately they were very hard at Wizards. I don't think they worked very hard on Battle for Zendikar at all. <laughs> I think they took that weekend off. <laughs> Because that's clearly all the time they put into that. In the wake of Battle for Zendikar, if you wanted to get me hyped hard, you say, we're going back to Innistrad. And And what did they do? Yeah, that's pretty much... On Halloween Day. Classy guys. You know, you know like, that set that's boring the shit out of you right now? We're gonna bring we're gonna replace it in about eight months with more Innistrad. I am so pleased that just that there's gonna be more Innistrad art. I love <laughs> the style from I love the costuming and the creatures. Ah, it's really cool. If it had the elves from Lorwyn, then I'd be done. That's all the creature types I ever need. That, that's the design bible for the rest of the game. We got that in Origin. That and Bear Punch. I do feel that at this point, like Return to Innistrad is up there on the list of fantasy sets I would like to see like, and I think the only thing currently topping that is uh, the Khans of Tarkir invade Ravnica Khans <laughs> <laughs> of Tarkir correct timeline invades Ravnica yeah exactly the Khans explicitly the characters of the Khans rock up in Ravnica going what the fuck is this place <laughs> It's the plotline where it turns out that the current state of Tarkir is operating in, in you know, a, a time eddy outside of the main time stream because it's garbage. They're hanging out with Teferi at the Telerian Academy in Dominaria. <laughs> it's, all, it's all just Sarkhan's little fantasy world. <laughs> This whole set has happened in the dreams of Sarkhan as he stares into a crystal ball. Ah, <laughs> uh, wouldn't it be super cool if super cool dragons were back again? No, actually. Shut up. Sit down. Well, no, don't get me wrong. I like some of the dragons, but if you're get- saying you can have dragons or you can have the Khans, yes. I'm going Khans. Look, if you ever give me a choice between a dragon and a person who's cool enough to punch a dragon, I'm having the person. <laughs> Sorry. That's just how this shit works. But also, by all accounts, the dragons were kind of Dicks. Canonically speaking, like, like, um, Surak, you know, the person who punched the bear and now in the current timeline has punched a dragon. <laughs> he is actually actively working right now to subvert uh, Atarka. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which soaring. as far as, as far as going against one of the dragon lords. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You had to pick the scariest one. <laughs> it's like, uh, you. <laughs> I'm taking you down. That's my Timur. Go! <laughs> and so, what is up, this Timur clan? Hmm. And so, up in the shimmering glaciers, the top of the mountains where even the dragons dare not fly, there are secrets hidden in the ice that Surak whispers to. I was saying, there's also that other game that Dal and I also played together, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, which is really oh, quite cool. Yes, that we'll sort of there. deserves its own mini-segment, doesn't it? A little it? bit, yeah. Alright. Well, I don't have a hell of a lot to talk about, though I was also going to lead into a bit of a mini-segment. 
segment. We'll see what happens. Obviously, I've been playing more Rune Factory. Yeah. Uh, though not a lot. I've been very, very busy <laughs> trying to get card design finished in time for printing. It's looking good. It's looking good. Oh, you've been hustling bumps. It's it's amazing. You should let us know on Twitter if you're interested in a copy of the Yuri Duelist's card game. Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> Probably from uh, the vast majority of our Twitter, I should think so. But I also got the chance to play something for the first time, which I, I thought was just hilarious and fantastic fun. I played Dog Bear! Oh, I forgot about this. <laughs> it's, uh, is, this, is this about a dog that is actually a bear or a bear that is actually a dog? No, this is about a grizzled military veteran whose codename is Dog Bear. <laughs> oh, or, okay. in my case, Threefold Beer! <laughs> because those are the cards I drew from the deck, and that's the result I got. So, I suppose I should uh, explain. <laughs> Please. Dog Bear is an idea by my friend Casey, where she concepted the idea of a card game-based role-playing game, which she couldn't finish work on, and she handed the idea over to me, and I pared it down to this super lightweight, no-planning Metal Gear Solid-style game. And, like, none of the copy is allowed to say Metal Gear Solid, but it's totally inspired by Metal Gear Solid fan characters. inspired by stealth espionage action games. Yes. (laughs) Where the whole point of the game is that as the storyteller, or in this case, the boss, you are talking with your operatives after a mission, and you know, well, that was quite a thing that happened. How did you survive that? And it's it, the cards you deal, and it's a playing card game. It's using typical kings, queens, uh, diamonds, hearts, uh, that kind of deck to construct the scenario, and you're just kind of very freeform, very lightweight role-playing, but it's wonderfully ridiculous. <laughs> it's a tiny role-playing system where you get your prompts from randomly drawing cards from the deck. So we're going to stream this, right? <laughs> we totally Absolute can. fucking lootly. Yes. Um, in, in our first game of... I- one, one of the things that happens is when you get dealt your opening hand, you have cards that are kept secret. Not because, you know, you can't let the players know or there's some terrible twist, but just because it keeps it so players don't have to try and manage everyone's information at once. And we had a player last night who turned out to be a cyborg chef <laughs> with lots of siblings who got demoted to chef after being a, f- a much higher rank. And it turns out it's because at one point he ate a bear. <laughs> Did not go over very well with Threefold Bear. Threefold Bear, who never backs down, laughs maniacally, and was wearing a slinky cat suit? Yeah, I, I sort of <laughs> just said, well, that's happening, and then set that card aside. Yeah, we're moving on. <laughs> we are at liberty to do that. Threefold Bear at one point defeated a laser grid by punching it. <laughs> well, how else would you do it? Had a control box. Yeah, you found a control box, and then you punched it. <laughs> yes, and our remaining operative was Queer Raptor. <laughs> Who, who, I want to say big ups to Queer Raptor for not putting on, like, a, a, a fake gay oh, voice no, or anything. I think he considered doing shore leave for a minute and then went, nah, yeah. I'm just going to play it straight. Yeah. Not, as... uh, not that kind of straight. <laughs> you know what I meant. But yes. <laughs> And, and yeah, it, it worked really well. Uh, Casey's idea is a really good one, and the tables produce a lot of very funny, very weird ideas. Yeah, the uh, the militant Bitcoin enthusiasts chased us <laughs> all the way to the uh, the helipad, uh, and and even though they were stalled by uh, recognizing that one of our operatives, operatives was in fact their long lost brother from their massive extended family. <laughs> Uh, we, we still had some engine trouble right towards the end, so, uh... You budged so it? So, Threefold Bear proudly got up and, and launched that helicopter herself. By throwing it. I threw my comrades into the air. <laughs> 
I may or may not have died heroically, we're not sure. Well, you you were there, and the boss was like, well, how the hell did you survive that? And he was like, that's a story for another time. <laughs> we weren't sure. I mean, the alternative is I just, I faded out of the scene because I had only existed in my comrade's memory. That's what Three Volt Bear would have said if she'd been here today. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, it was some serious fun. I look forward to playing again many times. <laughs> I also, returning to the topic of Rune Factory for a minute, I had a slight clarification to make after last week. <laughs> after last week's scenario, which is, uh, don't, don't worry, nobody killed their little brother. <laughs> it's not that kind of a game. <laughs> Rune Factory's uh, uh, mode of storytelling is much more along the lines of, no, why should anybody ever die? That's bad and wrong. And even if this person is intending to heroically sacrifice themselves because, you know, they've already lived 800 years longer than their natural lifespan or whatever, we're still gonna, like, there's an entire third arc where we're gonna fix that shit. (laughs) That, That is the attitude of Rune Factory to character death. So, you know, please don't be concerned if you were worried about picking it up. She still owned her little brother though, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> I think she just, like, like every- beamed him with the hilt of the sword. He, you know, she's that much better than him. Suplexed him through a table. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ultimate. She went to, She went into the Omnidunk mode. She entered Dunkfinity. I thought that was just Jeb's final form. That sort of got me thinking, actually, about... You know, it might be fun to talk about other games which have that sort of just... Just the, the loveliness aspect. <laughs> Uh, games that are very sort of, well, safe and comfortable, I guess, or, or you know, use motivations other than fear or uh, immediate preservation of life and limb. Like core engagement that isn't primarily competitive? Well, not necessarily non-competitive. Uh, that's sort of a whole different thing. True. Like, there's a lot of puzzle games that have lovely trappings. <laughs> that's true. Well, like, a lot of the, a lot of, like, the, the, the Mario, like, party-style games. Not, like, Mario Party itself, but, like, Mario Tennis and all that well because mario party ends friendships (laughs) (laughs) technically warrior where would count i think (laughs) i what one of the things with the warrior where that it kind of does unconsciously is all the characters in warrior where are to some extent or another a bit odd oh yeah and i I can definitely imagine as a young kid if i'd met those characters then like yeah these characters are weird and i'm weird so i can i can see some some resonance it does have a lot of that fun quirky cartoon version of diversity that you know games used to have as like a universal trait and now it's mostly just a thing for indies Mm. Well, um... Is there a lovely bonus? <laughs> there is a spring bonus. <laughs> is it the springiest of bonuses? I would assume so. I haven't played it yet. I'm waiting for the spring. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. But I did earlier this year play Gravity Ghost. Ah, yes. Oh, yes. Which is about as lovely as you can imagine. Because it's about flying around. It's about orbiting planets. It's a, it's a physics puzzle game. About collecting bits and flowers that make your hair longer. And... Finding the souls of, finding the souls of, of 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 animals and sending them off to heaven to be happy amongst the stars. Oh, well, that is lovely. So it actually it actually has the phrase "Welcome to heaven." Or it is, uh, I think it's "Welcome to heaven." Here is your hug. Yeah, and then you and then you hug a fox. <laughs> it's really lovely. Yes. 
As for me, I think if, as far as lovely games go, obviously, me being me, there aren't a lot of games I have that really <laughs> resonate on that level. But one game that is just unabashed, very pure in this front, is Golden Sky Stories. Oh, that is fun. <laughs> Where Golden Sky Stories is a tabletop role-playing game, an indie game from Japan, which was translated into English and distributed um, primarily online. It's one, of, it's one of the small Kickstarter success stories, really. Yeah. Is that the one where you play as just a, a like an animal spirit? Yes. You're a henge, which is a type of animal spirit that can become basically a child. <laughs> it's a lot like playing a Ghibli film where <laughs> where the the sort of things that they're dealing with is, you know, the the, the mayor is unhappy because the garden in the main town square is getting overrun by a type of weed and no one's taking care of it. And that kind of small rural domestic problems, there's no combat. Um, indeed, the, the game's point on combat is if combat happens, uh, there is no winner of combat. Like, everyone loses a bit of association because this is all about growing together and becoming better friends. I think the most aggressive thing you can do is you can sort of spook each other to, yeah. you know, uh, encourage someone to back down in a tense moment you can you can you can passive passive aggressively just glance glare at each other um <laughs> also because you're a nature spirit and you're a little bit distant from people uh i know that one of them has a thing where they can bark because you're because you're a dog yeah and you know scare <laughs> someone away from a location so it's like oh no we need to make sure that that person doesn't arrive while this person's having a cry here or, woof, woof, woof. um you're all the, all the powers are really thematic and tied to the type of animal you are and there's an expansion for it because <laughs> expansions are just a thing that we love now with bears which doesn't it doesn't add bears it does not add it adds witches of course oh yeah there was a witch in one can of these the witch can the witches there. be bears uh, I don't know if the witches can be bears let's uh let's just make note that you can essentially repurpose any of the henge too we we in fact played a game of it that wasn't set in Japan was set in uh Colorado. Yeah. Which was lovely. And uh, I, I played a fat little Wolverine <laughs> waddled around the world trying to eat everything smaller than his own head, basically. <laughs> and, and there are a surprising number of problems that go away when a fat little Wolverine waddles up and begs for bacon. <laughs> And I believe in that one we were dealing with a church camp that wanted to set up in, in an area of the forest and there was contention between people about, oh, is this going to damage the, the town? Oh, no. It, it's very it's very Disney movie kind of problems, but it's just wholeheartedly sweet. <laughs> oh, yeah. The other character I played was basically the little Sobo. Yeah. <laughs> Like, good. <laughs> I'm gonna be a tough stray dog who might be part wolf and drifts from town to town helping people and then moves on because I don't really belong anywhere. It's just enough for me to see that everyone's happy. <laughs> Basically had a theme song. The world's greatest Canadian export. Yes. It is exactly that kind of game and it was just so much fun to do, you know, goofy animal stuff and to really like... You know, a lot of role-playing systems encourage you to, to game them as much as mm -hmm. you can. Uh, you're hesitant to make role-play decisions because you know they're going to be bad for you, whereas this game is so lightweight, it's really like just, you know, do do the stupid thing. Use the points badly. It's great. And if everyone thinks it was great, you get XP for it. It's like, well, I, I, I know I could be doing this, but I really want to chase my tail. <laughs> well, absolutely. One of the other things is that the way that XP gets handled in that game, the sort of XP is... uh. 
you build connections with people and you build connections with things and they all have different types like you can you can have a relationship with someone where you admire them or where you have yeah, a, I like a that. friendship with them or where you have a um a rivalry with them but they're all seen as like these are still they're still relationships they still grow and whenever a player does something very in character for them that you like that you it, it's remarked as you think it was cool or it made you laugh or it gave you joy those are actually <laughs> the way the rule books describe it yeah that that is the only way you win yeah that gets you points but from other players it's not a matter of hey I did the thing I liked I, I did the thing that was cool I should get points it's a matter of someone else at the table goes that was adorable have a point <laughs> and I can just give out points endlessly uh, as long as they're tied to st- things so in our first session we had, one of our players was playing a corgi <laughs> uh, well, they're playing on easy mode then <laughs> come on and, and the very first thing we had to do was get past a fence to go talk to a camper and Floyd was like okay so uh, uh, I dropped down and wiggle 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 under the fence and we all just sat there for a minute going <laughs> plus one for wiggles <laughs> everyone gave you plus one for wiggle <laughs> yeah it, it's a really lovely and way then, to and then I'm going to try and run up and jump at or jump over the fence but I'm not going to make it because I have tiny little legs Bonk. <laughs> if I recall correctly what, what my wolverine Gulo did was just walked up and tried to headbutt the fence post until it moved out of his way yes <laughs> didn't really work no. <laughs> it was a valiant effort I, I can only assume that's how every problem was addressed <laughs> Well, he tried to eat most things. The, the, and there was a point where I, I believe the dog was getting attention for being a dog, and he just sort of went and sat in the middle of everything and sold very pointedly because the dog gets all the love. No, Gulo wants some. There was another point where the challenge was effectively, can we get Gulo to come over here? So it's like, well, <laughs> the bird's going to fly off to that camp, steal some bacon, fly it back, <laughs> and use that to lure Gulo over. <laughs> Sulky little fatty boy. I did. I spent as much time being a sort of low key obstacle for the group. <laughs> As a uh, proactive participant. But it was all really... It was really you were less of a wolf and more of a, wa- uh, a, a wallaby. Is that the oh, the... Wombat. Wombat, oh, wombat. yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I do believe uh, that Gulo would have had a lot in common with a wombat if we'd been playing in an Australian setting. Yes. So yeah, I, I really like Golden Sky Stories. We'll put, we'll have a link in the description of the podcast. It's, it's, a... it's a delightful play. It. Yeah. I would also like to ask our listeners if they have any lovely games to suggest. Because I'm just, I'm always on the lookout for more games that are, I, I, there's this, I don't want to impugn what anybody likes, but I feel like a lot of the time there's a a conflation in narrative where, like, only, only sad things or only dreadful things or horrifying things or, like, deeply disturbingly introspective things are considered to be, well, deep. And I'm always on the lookout for stuff that's deep and happy i really like nice things and i would love if people could suggest things that have made them happy on that kind of level What's in that envelope from the listener mailbag? It's a letter from the listener who's asked us, can we talk about the Sonic R soundtrack? Oh. I can't. <laughs> I can't really either. Uh, uh. Save us, Cousin Jeb. You're our only hope. Uh, I don't recall anything from it. Oh, I'm sorry. We're really sorry, the listener. <laughs> oh, apparently we can't. Well, we've answered that question. <laughs> can you listen? Can you speak about the... But the Sonic R soundtrack. No, we can't. Sorry. But thank you very much for contacting us, the listener. We really appreciate you. Is that why? Is that why you asked me about it the other day? You could have given me. You could have told me that. Oh, by the way, the listener, the listener wanted to know something about it. I would have listened to it. <laughs> 
always I'm the worst host. <laughs> Dear listener, don't worry about it. The Sonic R soundtrack is something that all teenagers go through. It's just a natural part of growing up, and you'll feel better soon. And now it's time for Retro Gaming News. All the news is fit to print for the month of November 2013. Brought to you by Sonic R Soundtrack. In some regions, the Sonic R Soundtrack is also known as Sonical, Arbitrain, or Traxy. Women who are pregnant or maybe come pregnant should not listen to the Sonic R Soundtrack. Side effects may include watery eyes, vomiting, nausea, sleeplessness, and extreme loss of height. <laughs> Do not use heavy machinery within six hours of having consumed the Sonic R soundtrack. 2013, which, if you need a jog to your memory, in November was the period where the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One launched. The Wii U was already <laughs> out, but there was also a push of Wii U titles. It's two years ago now, and I think that's one of the things that this podcast does reasonably well, and that we look back on points in history and you know, really dig in. You're like, did this actually shake out as being okay? Was this crap? Was this not? Yeah, like, holy shit, I can't believe the PS4's been out for two years already. Yeah. And, and that other thing. Yeah, and, and I love that we call it the... <laughs> The other thing. Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, the Xbox has always been the console that exists only on my periphery. The the floor recognizes Jeb Wrench, ambassador from the Xbox One. <laughs> from Exbonia. Xbox One brand ambassador. I believe that would have been our, our, our pretty special guest, Louise. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, but the point is, you've got to have a burst of launch titles. So be prepared for that. But we've no. still... <laughs> Three... <laughs> I just, sorry, I'm, I giggled and ruined that take because I was just too busy thinking, yeah, talent's the independent. <laughs> <laughs> Consoles, what? <laughs> it's a year where we're going to have a whole bunch of different launch titles, like three or four that you'll actually remember. We'll look back and think, are they any good? Are they any good? And there's still room in all of this for one complete, what the fuck, <laughs> tie-in game. I'm just desperately nice. racking my brain for PS4 launch titles. Um, um, um. All right. <clears throat> Simply because Jeb has been so thoroughly entrenched in the world of spooky bonus, the spookiest of bonus. <laughs> the spookiest of bonuses. We have a game that has spooky ghosts in it, apparently. <laughs> if it was like a ghost Otome game, would it be spooky bonus? <laughs> Excuse me, writing that you down? Laugh, but I, <laughs> you, you, you laugh, but I actually did get... Uh, uh, I, I recently have been brought to my attention uh, a game uh, about skeletons inspired by Hoonipop. Oh, no... <laughs> Oh dear. That's all I'm going to say about it. Yep. So, this game was released on 360. It's a Windows title, PlayStation 3, Wii U, 3DS. It's, it's you know, not strongly tied to a single brand. Uh, it is indeed a franchise character game. It's been, it's a really old character, like 1982, I think. 1982 about spooky ghosts? Yep, there are spooky ghosts in this old game. Well, this is a new, this is a new installment of an old game franchise. Oh, we're talking about Pac-Man game, are we? It is a Pac-Man game. Yeah. It's... Is this ghostly adventures? Pac-Man and the ghostly adventures. Wait, what? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Sounds like it has a plot. <laughs> that wonderful moment oh. where Jeb lands on it. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Jeb, did uh, did Pac Man oh. the Ghostly Adventures bear up in hindsight? Jeb, uh, do you have something you'd like to uh, share with the rest of the class? They decided the, the people who are Namco, and I suppose Bandai too, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to put this on Namco. They decided that what would be great, would be great, would be a cool and hip reboot of Pac-Man for the teens. In two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
he pals around with all of his ghostly pals because that's a thing that Pac-Man does. With they're friends now. They're friends. They they hang out and they do pack research at the Pac-Man place where there are, the there are like other people who are balls and they are Pac-Man's friends as well. And then stuff happens and Pac-Man has to go around this all like city where everything there are like statues of him everywhere because he's like some kind of narcissistic god. <laughs> He collects really weird power-ups, like a chameleon suit, <laughs> which not only turns him into, like, a packed lizard, but he also winds up doing, like, Spider-Man-style web-slinging <laughs> with his tongue. And you have not known a horror until you've seen the packed tongue. <laughs> There's also a cartoon! <laughs> <laughs> the Wikipedia. If you think if you think if you think Sonic Boom was bad, oh yeah. If you think Sonic, you know nothing <laughs> until you have seen the horror that is Pac-Man: The Ghostly Adventures. The pack is back, and nobody wanted him back. <laughs> and and there's just like some really obvious mistakes in character design stuff, like the way they've done the like, lighting on like his eyes, like going through two, like going through tubes and yelling his own name like it's some kind of a fucking catchphrase. <laughs> Now, here's, here's the plot summary according to the Wikipedia page of this game, which, as we know, can clearly never be wrong and is obviously well-researched. Quote, The game begins with Pac-Man and his friends walk into Sir C's lab. Three golden orbs are on a table. While Sir C is explaining what they are to Pac-Man, four ghosts from the Netherworld come and tell Pac-Man that Pacopolis is under attack by Betrayus, King of the Netherworld. Betrayus, King of the Netherworld. That's it. That's the whole thing. <laughs> That's all they were able to get. Okay. <laughs> At some point after this point, Whoever was writing the synopsis went, fuck it, <laughs> I'm done. This is the point where the person who was writing the Wikipedia article passed out from alcohol poisoning. <laughs> Under attack by what? What the fuck? No, oh, fuck this shit. Uh, by bits, by... Betrayus. They called him Betrayus. Ah, oh, shit, I can't even bring myself to say it. The, I'm not writing this crap. The writer for this game is a man by the name of David Ellis, which I have to assume in some language is an anagram of Alan Smithy. <laughs> Straight to video. <laughs> All right, so from a game that was comically bad in its execution we have the Mac release of a game that kind of got critics talking extensively about how Hearthstone? Nope. This is a third person cover based shooter game. Mass Effect? Uh no no. Uh mod Gears of War? Modern Military Shooter. No, Spec Ops the Line. Oh Modern Military. Spec Ops the Line. Yeah. yeah. The only Modern Military Shooter I know the name of for sure. <laughs> the other ones are all just a big you know the the whole corporate dartboard of <laughs> let's see covert uh, black coal uh, stealth. <laughs> Covert Ops. Black Call Stealth is a game where you play Lauren Bacall, Fox. <laughs> Call of Band of Duty Brothers. Field. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, Spec Ops The Line, I've replayed it recently. I do think it still stands up. It's, you know, it's got books written about it. And if you want to get involved in that academic discussion, go read them. Now, from something that's defined as having lots of substance to something that might not have much substance at all, it's a Wii dance game. <laughs> Any of them. Is it just dance? No, this is a game that purports to have a system in it that gets you fit. Uh. Zumba? Zumba! Oh, oh yeah, that's on the Wii, isn't it? Which I found was not about giant stone frogs, and I was a little disappointed. Boo! But yes, it's Zumba Fitness, World Party, Work Your Body, Rock Your World. Oh, right, okay, too many names. Elite <laughs> 3. Also known on shelving as Zumba Fitness 4. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> 
All right, we have a roguelike available on most platforms. Zuma 5. <laughs> we have a roguelike platformer that's on basically every platform. Spelunky? Uh, no. <laughs> it's on mostly the handheld platforms, and it's, uh... Developed by an indie two student team. Spelunk. <laughs> Most of them. Uh, no, this this was the release on Windows systems. SteamWorld? Uh, no. It refers to weather in its name. Bye. Yep. I think uh, I'm out of luck. You have lots of options. Risk character. of Rain. Risk of Rain. Nah, no, I, I didn't know that was a roguelike, in fact. Uh, Risk of Rain is on my edge, of my edge of my periphery of games I want to play because I've now known that there is a character in it who is a giant hulking purple alien who is <laughs> chained to... A, a ball and chain oh. and so he wanders around clubbing people with it <laughs> you've played uh, Risk of Rain Risk of Risk of Rain's it's a game that some people really like. Um, it's not really a roguelike, per se. Um, it's kind of got map generation in that, like, each quadrant of the map will choose from different bits. Uh-huh. So some things you can't unlock depending depending on how it rolls. And also the order that you go through the maps depends on luck. Um, it has a really interesting mechanic in it that it gets harder as you play it. And I don't mean that, like, as you progress through the game, the levels get harder. I mean that the difficulty level actually rises along. You take. Yeah, so there's a there's an urge to try and finish things quickly. Well, no, because the rewards are better the, the higher the difficulty. Uh, true, true. It, it's definitely an interesting game. It has that uh, that like cooldown based combat that I can't for the life of me get the hang of. So uh, I've never made it past the first level. All right, we have an expand alone for one of the most critically hailed games of 2012. It's technically part of a franchise now. There's a sequel to the game coming up soon. Well, that was going to be all. Is it starry and or crafty? No. No. But it is about shit from space getting real. Yeah. That isn't super duper narrow it down. No, it doesn't. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a science fiction game with an upcoming sequel. I'm pretty sure they'll actually give it away for Jeb now I think about it. Um, it's a strategy game. The very first point of this game's lifespan is from, like, 1992. Oh. Oh, is this, uh, uh, this is Enemy Within? Yes, XCOM. Enemy Within, the, the expand alone for XCOM. You threw me because you said it, uh, like, you guess it's part of a franchise now. Yeah. Whereas I was, so I was trying to think think of things where the first entry had been a couple years ago and there was the first sequel up. Yeah, I mean now there's now there's an XCOM board game for crying out loud, <laughs> which is apparently very good. Speaking of board games, talent, did you see that thing I sent you? Which one? You sent me a lot of stuff. Saga. Oh yes. Why are we whispering? So the listener doesn't hear that there's a Banner oh, Saga board sh- game coming out. Sh- Awesome, rad little Viking miniatures. All right, we have the PS4 launch of an MMO. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Final Fantasy fourteen. No, it's a Western franchise-based MMO, and it is and it is a franchise-based MMO. This this MMO is uh, is it uh, uh, DC Online? Yeah, DC, DC Universe Online. Online. Ah. Yeah, which in November got a PS4 launch. I think it's currently free to play. Like yeah. The very first thing I ever played on my PS3. Mm. I took one look at the character Eh. creation in that and was like, eh. As a City of Heroes refugee, there was incentive to go try out DC Online. I I couldn't even be bothered (laughs) downloading it. As a City of Heroes refugee, there was considerable incentive to not go for DCUO because it just wasn't the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, wouldn't wouldn't the experience of creating your own superhero be improved if you had to pick which DC character's fan club you were fucking in? I gotta say, that's kind of a knob move, yeah. Oh, I hate that. It, it, it's very, very navel gazy. Of like, surely you can't come up with your own thing. Your character's clearly a fan of Superman or Batman, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
or the, the Joker, or I can't even remember what the other villains were, Lex Luthor, and... Probably. I don't know the other one. Uh, to be fair, I did play... To be, to be fair to DC Online, I did play it at a friend's for a little bit, and you could make a character who played a lot like Power Girl. And like, you know, we're talking really big, bright, comic panel-style smash kind of stuff. So if you well, want that's, that... Well, that's, that's when that game's had its best. For a given value of big and bright. Like, one of the things I didn't like about it was that it was kind of dark and over-textured, and, like, I felt it was pushing the realism too hard for a game that was about comic book superheroes. Mm-hmm. Kind of the way that uh, Injustice looks i i do not like how characters look in injustice there was a there was a port of injustice this month as well to the oh, really? to, to the ps4 because of course there would be but it, it <laughs> yeah weirdly there was not an xbox one port of injustice at this point it's almost as if they knew that they were going to have their lunch eaten if they decided to try and release a pay uh 2d fighter on uh the xbox one What's so joke here? we have a 2d Kill fighter yeah. <laughs> yes oh this was the next thing on the list yes i see <laughs> Yes, Killer Instinct. Well done, Cousin Jack. <laughs> Game's really good. <laughs> really, really, really good. <laughs> it, it uses a lot of free-to-play engagement mechanics to just get you to play it, uh, but it, it isn't nearly as demanding of your time as most free-to-play games go. Um, also, the combo system is really smart. Um, the way the way conventional combo systems worked in most games designed, we'll, we'll say since the Street Fighter, King of Fighters model, it's usually you open up with a big hit that has a lot of reach, and while that that's happening you follow that up with lesser hits and they all kind of technically taper down whereas in killer instinct the combo system does it it ramps up and if you don't end it if you don't actually know well i need to finish this with a finisher hit the combo doesn't do as much damage yeah, see. Mm-hmm. which is just, that's just so smart <laughs> it wasn't until the very end there that i was realizing what the difference was just uh, by way of disclaimer and or psa my idea of a 2d fighter is smash brothers so uh, yeah <laughs> also has amazing characters <laughs> oh yeah yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, stop, stop. You you had me at Lady Raptor. <laughs> uh, you've got amazing music as well. If the seventh generation of games was the introduction of the free-to-play mechanic and watching it being used in some of the worst ways, some of the most exploitative ways eighth generation when we have the xbox one and the playstation 4 come out the fact that we led off with killer instinct which can kind of be used to shame every other free-to-play developer <laughs> like, you, you don't have to make a game that nickels and dimes people you can just make a good game people will play it and pay for it i i do wish people would you know just just make a decision and stop supporting shitty pay-to-play kind yeah. of games like to, it can be done right why not support the games that do it right and ignore the other ones they're just wasting your money all right. Now, we have a console exclusive whose name is so generic, I'm reasonably certain I invented this game when I was 10. <laughs> um, um, what was the name of the game I invented when I was 10? <laughs> Fleshfall. <laughs> Fall is one of the words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more gory or less gory? Uh, less gory. Less gory. Uh, uh, Nightfall. Oh, you're really close there with, uh, not not quite. Titanfall? No, not Titanfall. No, it's, it's it's more words than that. And it's a first person shooter and it's a PlayStation 4 exclusive. And it was, it was, <laughs> it was kind of bollocked over by the, by the journalist for saying, this is an eighth generation game. It's really just a, it's really <laughs> just a PS3 game. Standards fall. Where you have to tap the thing in the back occasionally. It's, it's not, this is eighth generation. What, what were we waiting <laughs> for? Scratch a simulator? It doesn't have a butt. 
Was there a game called Warfall? No. Fall of War? No, I'll, I'll just... Fall of Beauty. <laughs> it's Killzone Shadowfall. Shadowfall. Oh, I was oh. very close. It, it is a Except really... Except the Killzone part. It's a really generic name, though, isn't it? That is very, <laughs> very generic. So, you remember how during the mid-90s, when we were first getting into using 3D technology on any, any level in video games, pretty much everything was trying to find an excuse to be made up of triangles? And look ugly as fucking... Oh, yeah, they, they look yeah. ugly as hell. But, uh... Then the PlayStation 4 came out and a game was like, well, we just chose to make this character be made entirely out of triangles. Knack. Nick? Knack. Knack. <laughs> and it's a character made of triangles? Yeah. He's made of little shards of crystal. It's supposedly a mascot, like, action platformer thing, but apparently it's also really hard because who wants kids to play a mascot platformer? Yeah. Turns out also to have a mascot platformer, you need a character everyone likes. Knack's reasonably... Or at least half your audience likes and half your audience fucking hates. Knack is reasonably cute like as an individual character but they, they have when him, he's tiny yeah but they have him upgrade by more crystal and he gets bigger and bigger and he looks kind of like he, honestly he looks like Ganondorf he, mm-hmm. he, he kind of looks like low poly Ganondorf uh, that's not a good mascot. And that's all we have to say about that. Now, we have... Th- this is amazing. This this is not the what-the-fuck tie-in game. This is this is its own what-the-fuck. We have two mascot characters tied in to a real-world event. Sonic and Mario at the Olympics. Yes. Sonic and Mario Yay. at the Sochi 24 <laughs> Olympic Winter Games. Yeah, don't you love that they had to specify? Because <laughs> they made <laughs> multiple Sonic and Mario do the stupid Olympics tie-in <laughs> game titles. And, and it's specifically the Sochi games. So I have so I have to assume that there's a mini game where you have to try and find a toilet that works. <laughs> I, I would love to see a Sonic and Mario at the Olympics game that actually has Sonic and Mario like chilling out in the, the locker room or whatever, you know, backstage being like, yeah, you know, back in the day, we just wanted to kick each other's ass. <laughs> now we're Why rolling. did I hate and you now, so much? And now I, now I finally come to realize. I... <laughs> no, stop it. Not at the Sochi Olympics. Definitely not. That's not allowed. There's none oh, of that yeah, here. That is actually illegal there. Yes. So Sonic and Mario. With the 2016... <laughs> 2016 Political Olympics, they will finally, their, their love will finally be allowed to blossom. <laughs> and I will start writing my fanfic now. <laughs> can love blossom even on the soccer field <laughs> alright you know what fuck it that's just an expansion pack for EVE Online that's not interesting to talk about <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know, know they had an expansion pack they've got a couple is it the fancy hat expansion what is what, what, what is it Microsoft Excel 2014 <laughs> <laughs> it's an Excel report builder <clears throat> wait shit that's a database plugin oh that was such a failed nerd joke alright don't tell anyone they'll this... never notice if we keep quiet about it just don't mention it. Don't say anything else, okay? You got, you'll be quiet about it, right, guys? You will hide my shame. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. All right, smooth. So this is a PlayStation Vita game. Oh, great. Yeah, so the odds <laughs> that anyone's heard of it are pretty low. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Literally ever. There's a PlayStation Vita game? That's so nice. They should sell it sometime. It's <laughs> a PlayStation Vita? <laughs> Such a joke. No, I know a friend who actually quite likes I, the Vita. So. I have tremendous sympathy for the Vita. Look, I was a Dreamcast lover. <laughs> And before that, I had a Game Gear. I know where you're coming from. <laughs> Feel your pain. Feel your pain, brother. Sister. The Vita did sibling. so well that they had to make a set-top version of it. 
I almost bought that instead of a PS3. If it had had all the titles, I kind of want one. <laughs> this game is based around papercraft art. Oh, Tearaway. I haven't which, heard of this. From what I can tell, Tearaway looks quite lovely, actually. Yeah, it, it's quite a lovely seeming game. It's not high impact violence. It's made by the little big planet developers, and we know they can make good games. You're talking like that, like, you know, the Origami equivalent of Sackboy here. Yes. Oh, that's a lovely. Idea. Hey, there's a lovely game, Little Big Planet. Yeah, and you can you can rip bits away from the level using the touch screen. Ooh. And yeah, it, it looks that like it's... That is a great idea. Yeah. Um, I, um, I, I, I don't mean to be cruel to PSVD users when I say that would play really well on a VU, sounds like. Um, it hovers... VU, a Wii U, you know, a, a, <laughs> a thing that's a console name. <laughs> it's because I was talking about Dreamcast, I got VMUs on the brain. I love those it, little you things. You could not run this on a VMU. You, sorry, did you want some extraneous screen in your controller? Yes, yes, actually. <laughs> I, uh, I think we got in ahead of you there. <laughs> Alright, now, speaking of... Um, actually, we weren't speaking of old properties getting regular no. iterative cycles, but but this is... A, this <laughs> we is a, are now? Yeah, we are now. <laughs> speaking of Call of Duty Segway... Yeah, speaking of Sonic and Mario at the Olympics... It's not a Call of Duty game, because I already looked at ghosts and went... Dog! 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 <laughs> oh, actually, actually, yes, good point. Call of Duty Ghosts came out this it had month, the dog. and it had the dog. <laughs> Jeff, that was you dog, doing your impersonation of a dog, right? Pretty much. It's pretty much what a dog is saying at most times. Translated from dog yeah. yeah Call Call of Duty Ghost had the dog I, I do I have to say I like the dog game trend much more than I like dad game trends <laughs> what, what are the what if what if what if what if what if dogs were dads <gasps> so like you you could play a dog game that was about a dad taking care of his dog family yes or vice versa we have a game in a franchise it's a 25 year old franchise at this point um it's on the 3DS I think I've pretty much given away what it could cool. be is it a classic Nintendo franchise yes it is yeah um, is it Wind Waker 3D? Is it is it a remade thing or is it a new release? It's a new release. It's not Wind Waker 3D. No. It's not a remake then. No. What did they even do that was a new Zelda at that point? The Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds. Oh, wait. I thought that was a remake of Link to the Past with like more. Well, it's it's a sequel to Link to the Past. Oh, it's a sequel. Okay. Where you can occasionally turn into a 2D object and slide along walls. <laughs> oh no, this is where you find out I'm a Zelda poser because I don't actually like 2D Zeldas very much. <gasps> Meh. This is this, that's the one where you have to like rent your dungeon items yeah rank them rent them rent oh 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 what oh that hurts and and don't get me wrong it's a successful as hell game but you know it's a lovely looking 3ds menu theme i i have that (laughs) so this is this just exists it's zoo tycoon which was released at the same time on the xbox one and the xbox 360 you can't just tell us up front talon there's no way you would guess this (laughs) zoo tycoon is lovely see jeb would have known i've played the demo for zoo tycoon zoo tycoon is great it's a game where you go around and feed, you go around a, a, a 3D zoo and you take care of animals in the zoo. Ooh, you can pat the trunk of the elephant, apparently? Yes. <laughs> you can pet and play with the animals and feed them and take care of them. And you didn't expect us to be all over this? I think I said a few uh, episodes back, possibly four or five episodes back right now. But while I normally hate we'll the assume, idea... We'll assume, we'll assume it was on the last episode. Yeah, that was on episode <laughs> Could have been. Yeah, there was a point at some point where I mentioned that even though I usually hate the idea of a franchise going, yeah, we should turn this into 3D open world, you know, real proportions kind of thing. I I would actually really freaking love to play something like
like a harvest moon or a rune factory with that kind of interface to it because that would be, oh, I want to walk up and pet my sheep. <laughs> <laughs> and then I want to find out a reason to justify farming wombats. So here's a thing about Zoo Tycoon that like it, it seems to be genuinely simply lovely in that uh, Zoo Tycoon has mini games in the story mm-hmm. for things like save these animals when they have special events. You know, this animal is endangered so if you can breed more of them you will have... You know. oh, that's cool. Um, and <laughs> one of the examples is that when 10,000 players saved enough uh, rhinos they donated a... Um, the the ex- Sorry, Microsoft donated money based on that, based on what the players had earned, their fake money, mm-hmm. to the Nairobi, the, the Nairobi uh, Black Rhino Sanctuary Park. That's really cool. Yeah, so it's just like, that seems to be a really nice thing that they have done. Yeah. You know, big, big big ups. Go them. <laughs> I think it's come up before, but if I was an eccentric millionaire, the first thing I would do is say, okay, somebody give me a quote on how much it will cost to save this species. I want real numbers. Go on. Yeah, it's, I don't know, in some cases, the... the projections of how much it would cost to actually bump an animal off the endangered species list is, uh, you know, astonishingly low. Yeah. So, from that particularly sobering topic to it's a franchise game featuring a hedgehog. (laughs) Mario. (laughs) It's a mobile game. Call of Duty. Uh, is that Sonic Jump then? Close. It's it's, it's definitely Sonic Verb. (laughs) Oh, what else? They're all Sonic Verb since, like... (laughs) 2003. Actually, yes, yeah, Sonic Colors is a verb. <laughs> this is an image of Sonic lying on his belly <laughs> with, with a coloring book and crayons. <laughs> and your poo on your Robotnik's head. <laughs> no. Sonic Generations is just <laughs> Sonic just spawning over and over again. No, it's Sonic Dash for the Android. Oh, right, okay. <clears throat> uh, it's Sonic Loom. <laughs> also a verb. It's not very good at it though. You need someone a lot bigger than Sonic if you want looming. Alright, now this this is this is a bit of an odd one. I don't think Fox will know I don't think Fox knows the game this is from, so I think this is just gonna be pretty much pitched straight at Jeff. Sonic the Hedgehog Tycoon. <laughs> but this is a Child Tycoon! This is a mobile port of a game from nineteen eighty-three. Ooh. Objection wasn't alive yet. Which is a game that generally gets nodded at as kind of starting the management and the real-time strategy simulator genres. Mule? Mule. Nice. Yes. Mule Returns. Literally a mule? It's M-U-L-E. Robots. I cannot, Ah. unfortunately, remember what M-U-L-E stands for. But basically they are really cantankerous rubbish robots that you're trying to manage on a Mars farm. Mechanical, universal... How about I just lovely op- eggplants? How about I just open it up? <laughs> it's, set- it's far more fun to say ridiculous things. It's set on the planet of Irata, which is Atari backwards. They are multiple use labor elements. There we go. Yes. Uh, multiple use labor elements. <laughs> uh, Mule was as a game much more based. Sorry, it, it was managing a future where everything was a bit crap. Like, for the most part we have lots of, you know, in the 1960s in Star Trek, you've got this sort of glorious future stretching out in front of us, and Mule is, yeah, what if you can't afford the fancy robots? What if you've got a <laughs> shitty robot? It's like, look, it's like, look, you gotta start cheap here. But yes, also, Mule was made by Danielle Bunton, so in 1983, one of the most early important video games, Woman Designer. Just, just reminding everyone of that. This is absolutely par for the course with PC games at last check. Uh, Mule, one of the most important games ever made was made in 1983 by a trans woman. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Um, and Mule Returns and M- Mule Return got released in 2013 and they're making a board game of it. 
which is apparently quite good. Hmm. Well, I because mule hope it she'll have many elephants. <laughs> yes. Now, we I have... Just took that completely straight. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to give me a look like... Well, no, st- no, just... Stop eating the crayons. No, just... It's all, it's all moving past. It's all... <laughs> I'm bulletproof right now. Because we're dealing with a game that's a cover-based shooter. Uh. But it's not set in modern times, Twist. <laughs> oh, is this the one where you're like Romans cover-based yes. arrowing at each other? Yes. Oh, <laughs> <wise> <laughs> son of Rose. Fucking losers. Dumbest fucking name. Rise, R-Y-S-E. And it's his name? Oh, it's Reese. <laughs> Is he Welsh then? <laughs> Reese, son of Rome. <laughs> okay, I can't do Welsh. Sorry, you got me. But yeah, uh, and, and, and like they... It's literally all that's worth saying about Rise, son of Rome. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it's a Crytek engine game. So, you know, there's some pretty landscapes. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, that... Doesn't even fucking look good. <laughs> You also wouldn't see a lot of them if you're doing cover-based archery. It's true. Well, no, there's plenty of quick-time event-based melee combat, too. Uh, Goody! Oh, God. All right, so here is our what-the-fuck tie-in game, all right? That wasn't Mario and Sonic at at the Capitalism Venture? No, this this is even sillier and weirder, all right? (laughs) All right, hit me. Pepsi Man! We have a French cartoon. Tintin. No, video game tie-in. No, Tintin. Tintin isn't French, that's Belgian, isn't it? We got his cartoon and that was sort of French on account of it was made uh, by one of those Quebec animation studios. Yeah. <laughs> nice! It's tied into 1980s cartoons, like late 80s, possibly early 90s. Uh, and it, it was it was generally hailed as a good cartoon. It had a plot that continued from episode to episode, so it was seen as being very mature compared to more singular Looney Tunes style episodic comedies. The Mysterious Cities of Gold video game. Yes! <laughs> was that actually French? Uh, at least looking at all the developers yes <laughs> I thought that was another one like uh, like Sherlock Hound which was like a French Japanese co-production that yeah, yeah, had a, a talent alien working on it secretly that we didn't know about yet yeah you, you are right it was a French Japanese co-production it yeah. was okay the, the Mysterious Cities of Gold got a video game in the year of our lord 2013 <laughs> that was weird I, and the weirdest thing to me is the Wikipedia page has no images that is pretty weird none now the sad news is that it didn't do very well. Critics, you're kidding. Critics from the press were rather mixed. It describes it an average of 60 out of 100 on Metacritic, with only seven reviews. The major French site Yovideo.com talks about quote relatively interesting puzzles end quote, <laughs> but concludes this whole thing lacks of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Because you know the last thing, the last thing this retro gaming news for this this entry, <laughs> it's a piece of DLC for one of the most overrated games of the generation. <laughs> Burial at Sea Part Fuck You. Yes. <laughs> Burial at Sea Part One, a game that I described oh, it's part as one. yes. Okay. Part One, which just made me angry. Part Two made me furious. Uh, part one is cargo cult creativity. It does not understand the ideas of characterization or plot or coherence or narrative, but it makes things in the shape of them. It's very good at inflating <laughs> the object that looks kind of like a story and feels kind of like a game until you realize that what you are dealing with is nothing more than a hollow shoebox full of burning hair. It is fucking dreadful. It's terribly written and... I'm to this day annoyed that the friend who bought me the Bioshock season pass can't get their money back. 
It's a good thing you did have fun playing the original game, even if you found it to be distinctly overrated. Uh, yeah, Bio- Bioshock One had some had some really good stuff. And Bioshock no, no, Infinite, Infinite, Bioshock Infinite pre DLC. Bioshock like, Infinite pre DLC was very pretty, and the, that's what the only thing you can say about Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> the Bioshock Infinite is kind of an amazing game. That the more you think about it, the more exposure you have to it, the worse it gets. <sighs> It, it really is amazing. It's like it's like the opposite of a good... It Really, it's like the opposite of a good piece of media, which is, you know, oh, the more I think about it, the more clever this gets. Or, well, you know, there's yeah. more meaning. No, this thing is literally meaningful antimatter. The longer you think about it, the more of it just dissolves into the air. I will tell you what... I will tell you what Bioshock Infinite is. Bioshock Infinite is a giant bowl full of candy. <laughs> is this a Viva Pinata reference again? Jeb, you know you're on the limited... You take... You, you eat a cup of candy. It's like, oh, this is wonderful. This is great. And you keep eating the candy. And you suddenly realize that you've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> my tongue hurts. <laughs> I can't feel my face. Something is going wrong. I can't see anymore. Speaking of which... And when the bowl is empty, you're dead. <laughs> Speaking of which, children of Australia, none of you trick-or-treated at my place on Halloween. I was sitting dressed in my monster costume, despite the fact that it was not a cool November evening. It's October. Uh, well, it wasn't a cool November evening. Oh, it's there sure, was it. It certainly wasn't a cool November evening. Then, was it? it was warm enough to be November. We are the worst at Halloween in this country. Maybe that's why no one turned up to trick or treat. Yeah, you're like November third. That's right, isn't it? <laughs> Yes, I, I was a sad, hairy monster with a whole bowl of gummy body parts that nobody came to get. And I'm still Yeah, but that's not, that's, that's, that's like every night, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk briefly, before we go out for the day, about a game that is a retro gaming experience. No, yeah, you guys played a co-op game together, the, didn't you? The best game that the 90s forgot. Yeah, <laughs> like really, really fun. Well, I, I am a, uh, a native and uh, devotee of the 90s. Mm-hmm. What can you tell me? Jeb, would you like to go first? No, because I had to spend an hour writing about it. You start. All right, fine. Uh, <laughs> clandestine is a game. Uh, on, honest to God, Clandestine feels like a really good TV series got made into a pretty <laughs> damn good game. It's like a, a tie-in for a piece of media that doesn't exist. <laughs> where you have, as a central character, Katya, who is a spy... In your introduction to Katya, she's technically there as a technician. They know that wait, she... Wait a minute, she's a spy? The only picture I've seen she's of a... her is her going, I don't need an appointment, I've got a gun. Yes. Also pictures of her owning people. She's, oh, that sounds she's, like my kind of spy. She's, she's a good spy. She dunked really well. Yes. Uh, Katya is a technician who, due to a change of circumstances during a mission, wound up killing someone... And the CIA, well, not the CIA, the, the, the people in charge are very hard to get a hold of because it's a game of spies and, and clandestine, you know, all that stuff. Uh, 90s post-Cold War. Yeah. We'll just call them the agency. Yeah. It basically, it's like, it, hmm, the game, she was really good at killing that guy. <laughs> it came from that period of history where Tom Clancy released, please Russia, do me a favor and start being evil again. Uh, the the whole game is is very much focused on that sort of vague nebulous bad people. Uh, Mario and Sonic at the Socialix. <laughs> anyway, it all ties together. And Katya is assisted in her infiltration of an enemy group by her nerd in a van. All right, Martin. Who? I think you. I, 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 I,
but yeah, he's pretty cute, and his thing is it's completely asymmetrical cooperative gameplay. It's not trying to make the same interface work for both styles of character. Martin is playing basically a, a kind of speed uplink kind of game with moving uh, moving his access point around a network so an admin doesn't lock him out. And uh, Meanwhile, in another window on his screen... Yeah, you've got cameras <laughs> tracking people. You, you, you've got a map of the area and you're marking targets. You have Katia's map and you're telling Katia what to do. Yeah, because of course she's not... She's not playing a video game character with an actual fucking HUD. You've got to tell her there's a thing over there, and there's a chat window, and there's and when when you get a passcode or a password, you know how you get that to Katya. You open up a chat window and you type it in, and you say this is the number for this, and this could lead to these amazing moments, which which is when a player is a, talking to another player. Uh, it's it's five five six eight. Wait, which one? There's two doors here. Which one is it? The one I'm facing? Or is it, no, no. It's t- turn around. It's that, uh, and it seems like that. It seems like that would make the experience worse, but it somehow makes it so much more whole. Nah, it's I'd... and as you get better at it, more practiced at it, there's less of that kind of. Uh, conf- you also start. You also start to develop like your own shorthand. Yes, for the communication. Because I I thought about this because when we first played it, we we said you know this game really could use voice chat. Yeah. But the more and more I think about it, it really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Because there's kind of a certain appeal and uh, a, a charm and a draw to when you're playing as Katia, waiting for that passcode number to pop up. It's like, okay, do they have it yet? Do they have it yet? Do they have it yet? Hurry up, hurry up, come on. Especially come on, come when on. there's a patrol walking past you sitting there going, <laughs> I, I, I can wait a little longer, but I'd rather not. No, I, I totally get the appeal of this. Like, this makes me think of uh, like Spaceship Artemis. Yes. Where it's, you know, part of the game is building how you communicate with the people you're playing with. Mm-hmm. The sound effect of typing. <laughs> oh. It's this gorgeous, big, chunky... Tack, 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 tack. Lovely. As always, all, all computer usage in movies is done via the keyboard. Also, also um, going back to our, our time playing... Yep. Um, there was a point where you got caught by the system admin while I was sneaking and waiting for you to do something. And all of a sudden, I have to get myself into a different location so that I can hide out and continue waiting for you. Yeah. And it's like, the, the, the whole rhythm of the game, the whole flow of the game depends on both players working together. And also managing the time that they have when they're not doing, like, the priority action. Yeah. Like, what does what does the hacker do when Katya doesn't need a password? Like, okay, I can go from the, all these nodes, I can go through these firewalls, I can find this... I can find go through these emails, get this lore, get this information, get other passwords. Yeah, and I, I'm you know I'm right now not busy, so I'm going to pop over to those cameras and I'm going to sit here marking guards so Katya knows about them. And there's also uh, this thing where when you're in a camera, it doesn't work. So so you can effectively hop from camera to camera, turning them off around her, which has this effect of putting you both in a similar space without breaking that asymmetrical part of it. Also, this this sounds so silly, but the security devices work like security devices. Oh, yeah. If you shoot a security camera... <laughs> the alarm goes off. It says... The alarm goes it says off. It a fucking alarm. If you shoot a lock, the door locks. Uh, if, if you... If you can force doors. Like, Katya can force locks. And if you force a lock too hard, it makes noise, and it leaves behind a broken lock that people will find. Because that's what would happen. 
No, I'm always, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the whole shoot the keypad to get an access. Oh. Guy, you know, as if the failsafe state wouldn't be, no, you're not fucking coming in here. Now, to be fair, for building codes, the failsafe for an electronic lock system has to be open. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought of that. Okay, that's quite interesting. Because otherwise people will die. On the other hand, shadowy government organizations would probably ignore building codes. Exactly. <laughs> and here's one of the most beautiful things about this game. Right? The first level we play, I'm accessing, I'm hacking for um, Jeb, who is looking very fetching in a flannel, uh, a, a red flannel shirt, a vest, and bright green headphones. Oh, Katya has my language. Katya has a fantastic design. <laughs> um, keep keep in mind, of course, this black this 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 uh, this red and black flannel shirt is naturally tied around her waist. <laughs> but I've hacked into the security cameras, so I move all the way around the bay. I move all the way around. I look at all the things. I mark all the guards, and then we get to the door. We Katya gets inside, and I'm like, well, I can't, I can't, I'm not in that network. Because that network's isolated. It's not part of this big, all-consuming internet that just kind of whiffs through things like air. <laughs> Katya gets inside and is like, all right, I need to find a, a node where I can plug you in and get you access because this nice. place is not just magically connected to everything. Which is so... Not, and it's, it's an amazing We example. all know that high-security operations should have all their machines connected to the public internet at all times. And, and it's it's amazing. Also, the, the, the modem that... Mm. That uh, you use, Katya only carries a couple of them. Yeah, they're consumable. Sort of, you can take them, you can pick them back up later. But that means you have to, you have to go back through and leave your hacker eyes blind if you want to go back and get the modem. And it means that by creating a slightly more realistic setting, because this is this is a setting where Katya can grab guards as they walk through doorways and dunk them in 10 seconds. It's it's beautiful to watch. But it's not super realistic, but just by adding a tiny dash of realism to this idea of, you know, you can't just magically teleport from network to network, they successfully added a layer of gameplay complexity that means the hacker is now dependent on the spy and not just entirely the other way around. It's so clever! Um, also, and this is something that I think is a really fascinating idea that they do with the hacker... When you start a co-op game, you're playing as Katya. And if, n and, sorry, when you start a co-op game, the, the default is you're playing as Katya and you can switch to, you can switch perspectives like you can in single player. Which I don't recommend, it kind of really breaks the flow if you have to control both Katya and Martin. Yeah, yeah no kidding. But if you start your co-op game as private, you can invite one of your friends in to play if they if they have the game, or you can set it to public. At which point, people can randomly hop in and out of your game, controlling Martin. Wow, you are. Uh... And so suddenly you have to you have to build this rapport and you have to build this trust with a complete stranger. You had anything in the way of just complete douchebags? <laughs> Not yet. We we were lucky in that we were playing with a very closed environment. Ah. Rather than well, I was well. Besides the fact that it was press build, yeah, <laughs> uh, I was also playing as uh, I was also playing uh, a, a private game. Yeah, I, I, I was trying not to make a point of Ooh, look at you know, press press copies of the game. Yeah, I can I can talk about it. Yes, I got a re I had a review copy of the game early. I had two review copies of it early. The 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 PR people who gave you the copy said were totally fine with me giving it to the person that I host this podcast with. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, funnily enough, they would have wanted you to experience some of that co-op content, given that's, like, the second most important point in the entire game, maybe? Yeah. I genuinely think that is the most important part of the it's... game, is the co-op. And it's not just it's not just in the way that co-op makes, or playing with your friends makes games better. That's that's a given. But the, the importance of the co-op to this is different than that. The importance of the co-op is, the co-op in Clandestine is the way that they envision the game to be played it's the way it's supposed to be played you can tell because if you play it in single player and you find yourself and you try to juggle between the two it gets a lot more awkward and the game just is designed and paced around that 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 co-op gameplay really nicely Mm -hmm. i assume they just pretty much had to put in some kind of single player hack but that's the kind of game where if it came out and said no it's only co-op you'd have to be like well yeah i see why it's only co-op yeah, it's that, that's fair. It's an it, it was an early access game as well, so they obviously wanted to make sure the game was maximally available to as many people as possible when they started out. But yeah, definitely, I can, I I don't just want Clandestine to do well because I like it, and, and I, I obviously I do like it. We've just spent half an hour glad handing the game, <laughs> but I do want Clandestine to do well because I want other developers to get their heads around the idea of hang on, we could do asymmetrical cooperative multiplayer. Well, it's not just it's not just that, but. Y- Obviously, there's plenty of co-op games where you play in a somewhat different style, like like the like games like Payday or whatnot. Sure, you have this role, but you're still kind of playing the same game. Mm-hmm. This is two completely different games, and they're both pretty good. That's the other thing. Like, I can I can understand. We we talked about how it's like the best game from 1999 that never got released, and I definitely there is clunkiness around both sides of the game. It's not a matter of we developed this one part of the game we developed it to a mirror shine and this other thing is a bolt-on they both feel like they've been put in basically the same amount of effort there is there is a lot of stuff going on in these games and the like yeah katya katya's uh stealth mechanic is a little bit 1999 uh sam fisher it's a little bit clunky it's not as smooth as a dishonored stealth but it's still really quite good and because of that connective experience it's it's much more than the sum of its parts <laughs> just here talking about how, how you know we really like this thing a lot <laughs> is that supposed to be what this podcast is for yeah good point <laughs> i really love uh asymmetrical multiplayer just to begin with and in fact even the earliest multiplayer games I played, we played in an asymmetrical fashion, even though that wasn't how it was intended to go. Yeah. I think I talked about how my sister and I split single player games by having one of us move and one of us shoot or jump. Um, but also, like, I, uh, the, the co-op mode in Sonic 3, obviously you're playing pretty much the same characters, but in practice... What we did was mostly a case of, like, I was a ferry service. <laughs> Obviously, I was playing Tails. But, like, yeah, and, and, you know, part of the fun of that was finding secrets that would be easy when you had the second player around. And, you know, I could have not been present at all for just the runny, sonicy normal sequences. It was the other bits that, that had the value in them. And, yeah, I, I want to see tons of, of co-op games with just vastly different roles. I, I think we've rented a podcast. Yeah, possibly. I think we actually ended the podcast here. That's been the Downloadable Concept Podcast for this week. That's been Fox. That's been Jab. And that's been Tal. Tune in next week when you can stay a while and listen. His deck of cane is Sean Connery. Holy shit. Holy <laughs> shit.
and there we go. <clears throat> the rest of this is your problem. Yep, yes it is. Where's my radio voice turned into Doug and Kate? Professor Kane. <laughs> <laughs> That's a kind of wood. <laughs> could be worse, it could be Herman Kane. Uh. <laughs> also and... has a Pokemon pedigree. <laughs> All makes sense now. Mother of God! <laughs> this goes deeper than I thought. Oh. And and a SimCity qualification. Shit. SimCity as well? Um, the, the 999 plan that he put forward, someone pointed out. It's from that SimCity? It was not only from SimCity, he quoted several SimCity advisors. Oh, fuck's sake. And it, it just seems, along with the Pokemon thing, kind of coincidental that Herman Cain might be like someone's art project. I... I have the serious suspicion that Herman's Herman Cain's campaign was just run by nerds who were taking the piss. Like, I, I fully suspect that he was like, I'm a fairly, you know, I'm a recognizable politician, I could make a run for it, I have a personality, and just sort of hired a campaign who were like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll put together a presidential platform. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make sure that you're the very best, like no one ever was. 